Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. And we're actually starting a new series. Uh, it's a four-week series called Gospel Demonstrated. Uh, and so, you know, we always talk about the gospel here at Southside and we always talk about preaching the gospel and how important it is to um, go and tell the world and our friends and our family and our neighbors uh, about the love of Jesus and the amazing gospel. But as believers, uh, it's, yes, it's very important to preach the gospel, but this series is all about how equally important it is to demonstrate the gospel in your life. Um, There's this quote that I wrote here. It says, when we preach, people hear the gospel. But when we practice what we preach, when we do it, people see the gospel. And I pray that through this series that we'll all learn something and be challenged to live and demonstrate the gospel in our everyday lives so that those around us may see Jesus through us. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys know anyone, we will just maintain eye contact, you know, don't look to your left or your right. I don't know if you know anyone who, you know, talks a lot, but then when it comes to doing some action, you know, they're, they're not around or they just, do do do. Nobody in here, of course. The, the other churches, they're all over there, no. Talk is cheap, you know. Anyone can talk a big game, but real faith is evident through actions, through a transformed life. And I really believe just through studying this first part of James, and I, uh, one of the main focuses of James's whole book that he wrote is actually talking about living. And I think maybe he was one of those guys who just didn't like people, who just talked and didn't do anything. That must have been one of his pet peeves because he kind of... Today we are looking at the book of James, obviously. We'll be studying uh, a little bit of James every week as we go along. But um, I will be reading for you, I have it up there, the first part of the first chapter, which is our text for today. And so I'll be reading James chapter 1 and verses 1 to 8. Okay, so it says, From James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And so, you know, I just wanted to offer you a little bit of background, just a tiny bit, about James. He is actually the younger brother of Jesus. And I was just thinking, you know, imagine being Jesus' younger brother, Jesus' little brother. 
You know, I have a I have an older brother, and we we used to fight a lot. You know, um, like my own kids. You know, they're so close. They're always together. They fight all the time. I wonder if Jesus and James, there were there were a whole bunch more of them. But I wonder if they um, had arguments. But imagine having Jesus as your big brother. You know, one of the things I used to always say to my brother is, you think you know everything. You don't know anything. But imagine having a big brother, big brother who actually did know everything. It must have been a little bit hard. You know, my kids, they're, they're, they're always together, obviously. We live, uh, they share a bedroom. You know, so they see each other's dirty laundry. Sometimes they experience each other's dirty laundry. You know, they do all their jobs together. They fight over who got the biggest half of the last piece of pizza. You know, um, I'm sure they complain about me and Ulu to each other. You know, they're so close and they know each other's imperfections better than anyone else. And anyone here who has siblings, who has siblings here? Can you put your hand up? Yeah, a whole bunch of you. Anyone here who has siblings would understand this, right? Some of you, you know, we all look around, like I said before, you know, you all look very beautiful and very well-groomed today. You know, we, when we come to church on Sundays, you know, we've all put on our, you know, hopefully had a shower and done our hair and, hang on, oops, you know, hopefully, and we all kind of come in our in our best kind of appearance. You know, I know I'm like on my best behavior, especially when I um, am here on the mic, I always try to end my words with the proper endings. Just in case, there's always that little piece of me that's a little bit scared that my mom's gonna jump on the podcast. And if she ever hears me say the word, oh, how are you doing? Oh, Facebook Messenger can hurt. <laughs> but you know, this is, you know, if you look around, you see all the good-looking people around you. This is the Sunday morning version of us, right? You know? I don't know if I see many of you guys on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but I don't usually um, wake up early to straighten my hair. Yes, and sometimes I don't even make it that early, so there's a lot of, you know, glue and things like that that need to make things presentable. But anyway... A lot of you know, I just mentioned that I have a big brother, uh, and his name is Nelly, and he is, this him right there, me and him, uh, he is the senior pastor of our church in Brisbane, and this is a picture that somebody took, I had to Facebook stalk myself to find a photo of us, um, this is a photo that was taken in Malaysia, maybe about four or five years ago at a pastor's conference. And so there was about 400 every nation pastors in one room. And, you know, as you can see, I broke out the electronics, tried to, you know, tame the fro and, you know, tried to iron my shirt that day. And that's us on our Sunday morning, um, Sunday morning best. But, you know, this guy here, probably Ba'ulu, he's probably the one who knows me the best. He has got so much ammo on me, you know, he's got so much juice. You know, I was like umming and ahhing on whether to tell you the story, but you know, we were just singing about how Jesus made sacrifices. And so there's the story. Uh, there's the story. 
that, you know, when, in the 80s, it was like the mid, early to mid 80s, my parents were kind of, you know, really modern. They went out and bought a video camera. And this video camera had three parts. It was huge. The camera itself was this big. The battery for it was this big. And the thing that held the videotape was this big. So you had to walk around with basically like a backpack, a suitcase, and the camera. And so we used to play with this video camera and make videos and stuff like that. This was VHS. Um, I would have attached this video, but I'm not that secure. Anyway, he would always video us, and we would, we would um, you know, make videos with my teddy bears, and he would kill them with his machine guns, and then I'd cry and tell my mom and stuff like that. But there was this one day, I think it was not long after I had watched, without my parents knowing, the video clip to Madonna's I don't know what it's called, Get Into the Groove. Yeah, uh, 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 uh. Blair's like. <laughs> anyway, it's not a very godly song. <laughs> and so I watched it, and then I thought, oh, her hair looks really cool. And so I didn't know that the video camera was on, and so I started like talking to the camera. And this was before, you know, my sister Sydney taught me how to do my eyebrows, so, you know, wasn't cute, my hair was, you know, GHDs weren't invented back then, so everything was tragic. Anyway, the video camera was on, and I was, you know, talking to the camera, and, hey. And so my name back then was Rowena Artinga, and so I said, my name's Rowena A. Because Artinga isn't like, you know, Madonna. It's like too ethnic. So I said, my name's Rowena A. And then I turned around and then I looked and I said, do you want to go out with me? <laughs> do you want to go out on a date? And it was recording. And so anyway, the next day we were looking through, watching our videos, you know, one that he had called Teddy Bear Death. And, you know, he put tomato sauce on my teddy bears saying that he'd killed them, going, <laughs> he had one of those guns. And then all of a sudden it, it, it cut. And then all of a sudden it went to... <laughs> and I was like, oh. And then Ali said, what's this? And I said, I don't know. He was much stronger than me, so he couldn't, he wouldn't let me press stop. And so he watched the whole thing and he was praising the Lord. He was like, oh, oh. This was probably about 35 years ago. And to this day, anytime I try to say anything to him, he says, oh, pardon, what's that, Rowena A? You know, we're, we're both mature in the Lord now. We're both pastors and you know, we'll, we'll walk on stage and then, you know, we'll lead worship together. This is the me that he knows, you know. And yes, our pants did match our jackets. We were such geeks back then. And like, you know, we'll, we'll lead worship at conferences together and things like that. And we'll walk off stage and I'll go, oh, shot bro, well done. He goes, yeah, shot Rowena, eh? And I'm like, Holy Spirit has left the building. But I wonder if Jesus and James had the same kind of relationship growing up together. I wonder if they were close, you know? I wonder if, I wonder if 
You know, even though Jesus was perfect, I wonder if James had any embarrassing stories to tell. Because, you know, he would have seen things that the other people didn't see out there. He would have witnessed things, you know, maybe dirty laundry. He would have seen things that we probably wouldn't read about in the Bible. But, you know, what do you do when your brother starts saying, oh, I'm God? Imagine that, you know, if my brother started saying, I'm God, I'd probably say to him, you're not God. I was there that time you got a hiding. When dad said, did you brush your teeth before we went to bed? And you said yes. And then dad went and checked your toothbrush. It was still dry and you got the biggest hiding. You're not God. And he'll probably turn around and say, what's that, Rowena A? But you know what? Jesus, uh, James didn't become a follower of Jesus until after he was crucified and raised from the dead. Before that, he didn't believe. After the resurrection, James not only believed, but he became the leader of the Jerusalem church. And this book, the book of James, is actually a letter that he wrote to the Jewish believers who had been scattered out around the wider world. Anyway, let's look at the first verse of the book of James. In those days, in those days, letters began, you know how these days people say, dear so-and-so, and then they write the whole letter, and it's not until the end you say, love from, or yours sincerely, then you find out who it's from. But back then, it was, it was reversed. And so the letter begins, from James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He could have said, from James, Jesus, that guy who raised from the dead that you guys are all worshiping, yeah, that's, I'm his brother. But he didn't choose to introduce himself like that. He chose to say, I'm James. I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was his Lord and his master. And so it's interesting to see that from his little brother relationship, he was now writing this letter to all of the Christians that were all scattered around. They were being persecuted, actually, at that time. And he encouraged them. But the first thing that he says to his people, to these people, I'll read the verse here, the next one, and it says, from James, verse 2, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And so today I'm going to talk a little bit about joy and what James writes about in this first chapter and about how to have joy and how to have joy be a real part of your life. How we can really walk in joy, no matter what we might be going through. You know, some of us in this room may not really have joy as a big part of their life. Perhaps some of you, joy has been far away from you for maybe a, a long time. But I pray that this message ministers to you and blesses and encourages you so that you can walk enjoy and be a genuine example of the gospel demonstrated and so really quickly I want to talk about three ingredients that we need to experience joy three ingredients I'm getting hungry now number one trials 
I can hear you all say, what? I want my money back. I wanted chocolate and rainbows as my ingredients. But the trials of this life are a needed ingredient to accomplish joy. James said, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. He said, when you meet trials, not if you meet trials, but when. And that word various, you know, what kind of trials do we meet? That word various actually is a word for the color spectrum. One of my kids is studying this color spectrum at school and apparently there is no number of colors because it's infinite. And so I guess that talks about every kind of trial. And that word, when you meet, that word meet actually means, I looked it up in Greek, and it means when you are surrounded. So I guess we could translate that verse to say, count it all joy when you are surrounded by an infinite number of trials. Count it all joy. This doesn't mean that you say, yay, trials. This is amazing. Woohoo. That's not joy, <laughs> that's pretending. But how can you count it joy when you're surrounded by trials? That brings me to my next ingredient. Number two is knowledge. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Why? Verse three, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So count it all joy because you know that when you're going through trials, when you're surrounded by hard times, problems, and you can't see the end, you can know that your God is at work, building steadfastness in you. I believe that Jesus wants to revolutionize our thinking when it comes to trials because, you know, a lot of people, and I guess a lot of us in here, are guilty of when we go through hard times, we try to ignore it or try to pretend like it's all good. No, nah, it's all good. It's all good. I'm sweet. Or we try to find something or someone to help us take our mind off our problems. But God, through James, is trying to challenge us about that. And you know what? We might as well decide right here and now how we are going to deal with trials because we just discussed that trials are guaranteed part of this life. You know they are part of this, they are part of this life right up until you die. So you might as well decide now, today, how am I going to deal with it? There's no one that doesn't encounter trials. Rich people, poor people, sick people, young people, well people, old single, married, all the married people said, mm-hmm. People with jobs, people who are looking for jobs, all people encounter trials. Don't believe the, you know, the Instagram hype. You know those girls who are like, I wake up like this, you know. Everyone endures struggle. Even if they wake up looking amazing, everyone struggles. You don't outgrow trials. There's no age where, oh, if I can just get to age 40, yeah, I'll be sweet. 
No, you just get a new set. So what do we do? We grab them and we throw them into the pot and trust God. Because you know that he is with you and that he is doing something that you can't understand yet, but you will, it will end in joy. You know, religion says, I worship God so that I can be blessed or so that I can have good luck or so that the gods will smile down on me and I'll get what I want. But the Bible says different. God says, no, it's not like that. He says, you are going to go through hard times. Hard things are going to happen, but don't worry because I am with you and I want to produce something amazing in you. That word steadfastness, the Greek word for that one is hupomeno. Can everyone say hupomeno? Yeah, because I don't know if that's how you say it, but now we all said it wrong if it's wrong, so you can't correct me. And that, the translation of that word hupomeno means to remain behind, to not run away or flee. A patient enduring. So to endure. Strength and endurance are formed under pressure. You can't get strength and endurance from reading books. You have to live it. This is a picture of Lu Zhaojun. Everyone say Lu Zhaojun. Obviously, he's an Olympic weightlifter. He is the Olympic champion from China, three-time world champion, and still the current world record holder in Olympic weightlifting. He is crazy, crazy strong. He is shorter than me, weighs less than 77 kgs, just a little bit lighter than me. But he can pick up a 210 kg bar, which is about three times his own body weight. Not just pick it up and stand up with it like powerlifting, he can pick it up and throw it above his head, catch it in a squat, and then stand up with it. That's like a bar with two Samoans sitting on each side. Actually, maybe two eight-year-olds up. No, just kidding. How is he so strong? Obviously, he wasn't born that way. You know, but the thing about weightlifting is that you have to spend a lot of time in uncomfortable positions holding a lot of weight. Start off a little bit light, then as you get stronger, you can get heavier and heavier until one day, just like that, you're the world champion. Well done. He has to work on his technique so that he can have balance. But because he has spent so much time under pressure, and not run away, not given up, not quit. He is lifting and doing amazing things, breaking world records that we never probably would have thought imaginable. Just like in weightlifting, in the physical, it's the same in the spiritual. The more we go through tests and trials, the more steadfast you become, and the more you are able to endure. There is purpose in the pressure. It reminds me of those ancient Greek ruins. 
you know, um, those huge pillars that you see, that there, those have been up for, what, 3,000 years plus, and they're still standing strong, long after the things that they were holding up have gone. That's hupomeno. They are so strong, and they are able to carry so much weight, not just for three seconds, like in weightlifting, but they've lasted, and they will probably outlast all of us here in this room. It's not just strength to hold for a moment, it's strength to hold for a long time and to endure, trusting God. That next verse in James says, let steadfastness have its full effect. Why? What's the result? So that you can be perfect. I guess you can translate that word perfect to mature. So that you can be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. That's God's purpose for us. To be mature and complete, lacking in nothing, so that we can represent him to a lost and dying world. Let steadfastness have its full effect. Don't quit halfway. That's not being steadfast. And if you don't know what to do during a trial, let's read the next verse. James says, we should ask God for wisdom. Lord, help me understand this. Give me wisdom. Verse 5 says, he will give it to us if we ask him. How much wisdom will he give us if we ask? He will give us generously and without reproach. In other words, he won't be annoyed that we're asking him for help. And how do we ask him? Verse 6 says, ask him in faith. Don't doubt. Ask for wisdom, but ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave. I'd, I'd even encourage us to watch how we talk when we're going through a hard time. Sometimes we talk like we're going to lose the battle. And it can be so tempting to complain about how hard it is. I know I'm guilty of having done this before, complaining and complaining. But when you talk like that, you won't see the hand of God moving in your life. And it's not because he's not moving, it's because you're paying more attention to complaining. He's moving. It kind of reminds me of that guy in the New Testament. You know the guy, the story of the guy who had the son, and the son had been possessed by an evil spirit since he was a young age. <clears throat> and uh, the Bible says that he had been tormented for years, and he would have... Um, What's, it looks, it sounds like seizures, you know, his body would go all stiff and then the spirit would cast him into the water or cast him into the fire. And so he had nearly died so many times. And so this father came up to Jesus and he said, um, oh, sorry, this, the father had taken the son to the disciples and asked them to pray for his son. And so they had prayed for his son, but nothing had happened. And so Jesus came and he said, what's going on? And then they told him what had happened. You know, they prayed for this boy who had been possessed by uh, an evil spirit and nothing had happened. And so Jesus came and he said, uh, do you want me to drive this spirit out? And the father said, yes, if you can, please help. 
And then Jesus said, what do you mean if you can? Everything is possible for one who believes. And the father says, it's a famous line. He says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Another version says, help me overcome my unbelief. You know, some of us may read that and go, huh, you know, how can you say I believe you, but I don't believe you? But I I can totally understand where he was coming from. I'm sure some of you can as well, you know. Thinking about that father, seeing his son struggle and struggle and struggle, and probably taking him to doctors, probably prayed probably spent a lot of money and nothing happened, even came to these disciples and seeing these disciples cast out demons out of everybody else, but then they couldn't help his son. And so, of course, when Jesus comes and says, hey, do you want me to help? Of course he's got doubt. But that's what I love about God, you know. He only asks for a mustard seed-sized faith. And so that's all he had, that man. He said, I believe, but can you help me? Help me with this unbelief, this doubt that I have. And Jesus did it. Jesus healed this boy. I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't ask us for an oak tree-sized faith because most of us in here probably just don't have it. But he takes that little tiny, have you seen a mustard seed? It is smaller than a grain of rice. He takes that tiny little piece of faith And he uses it to step into our situations and give us the strength to endure and come out gold on the other side. You know, but it's a fight. It's a fight sometimes, you know. How many of us in here have been in a fight? Like a real punch-up? Oh, it's all right. We won't judge. It's funny, last Sunday we were, um, there was a bunch of us at Mick Cafe, Manukau, and Ulu and Andrew and some of the guys, Louis, they had their men's group. And I was just going in to get, you know, some ice water from McDonald's. And um, so I was standing there with Andrew and Louis, and we were just chatting in front of the counter. And this guy, there was a bunch of guys on the side, and I think that um, they had had some trouble. They were, the cops were there and stuff. They seemed to be really upset about something. And this guy came past, and Louis was in the middle of telling me and Andrew this funny story of what something that had just happened, and this guy walked past, and he full-on pushed Louis out of the way, and just had this really angry look on his face. This guy, probably my 11-year-old Joey, probably weighs more than this guy, and he, but he was, I don't know, he was feeling quite brave, because, you know, some of you guys know Louis actually a professional boxer. I would have pushed someone else if I was him, but, you know. But, you know, I looked at Louis, and Louis was like, what? And, you know, we just had had a laugh. And then Ulu, who had been sitting to the side, was like going, ah, you don't. (laughs) You know, I think Ulu was like going, oh, no, watch something interesting so that I can go to church with a, you know, interesting story to tell everybody, but... But, you know, he didn't have a fight that day because, you know, Louis is a man of God and he just laughed it off. But, you know, thinking about, that got me thinking about boxing, you know. 
sometimes, I mean, I can't stand watching boxing, to be honest, but, you know, sometimes you can't tell who's winning, especially if you're, you know, a noob like me, don't really understand what's going on. But sometimes you get a few punches in, sometimes there's a few punches that come back at you, and it's kind of like, oh, who's going to win? Sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes it feels like, man, I don't know, I don't know if God's going to show up in my situation because it has been so long and I'm still, still waiting. But all God asks for is that mustard seed-sized faith. Knowledge is a key ingredient in walking in joy. Knowing God and knowing that you can cry out to him when trials come and knock you around. The greater your knowledge of the goodness and grace of God, the more likely you are to praise him in the storm. You know, a lot of you guys uh, know my son Joey, my 11-year-old. He loves playing outside, and he loves, you know, imagining stories and things like that. And so one day um, he came in, and he had this big red kind of bump on his leg, and he said that it was really sore and it looked kind of nasty and so we had a look and we could see that there was like kind of like a little black part of a stick that had come into his leg obviously a while ago because it had kind of his skin had continued to grow over it but now we could see that it was starting to to bother him and so me you know I kind of thought back to my times when I wanted to be a surgeon obviously didn't work out And I thought, I just said without thinking, I said, oh, we're going to have to cut it out. And then he just freaked out. What? No, 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 I'll keep it. I'll keep it. No. And we could see that it was already starting to turn pink. And so Ulu said to him, no, son, we have to cut it out. Otherwise, it'll get worse and it'll be really dangerous. And so, you know, Ulu had to hold him, hold him down. And he was like, ah, no, I don't want, ah. You know, it was like an Academy Award goes to. It wasn't even that big, man. Honestly, I was like, come on, Joey Farm, you're embarrassing me. Anyway, so I got a little sharp thing. Don't worry, I cleaned it first. And I just kind of applied some pressure and trying to get it out. But he was just, you know, flailing around, just being all dramatic and stuff. But it only took like a little while. And it actually didn't hurt that much. I think it was just the drama of it that kind of got him worked up. And then after a while, it was gone. It was fine. You know, we just got my magic baby wipes, wiped it down. It was all good. There wasn't even any blood. It didn't get infected. And it just got better by itself. But, you know, sometimes I think, man, does, is that what God has to do in us sometimes? You know, um, when we're going through hard times and we're like, Lord, why me? When is it going to end? You said it, your word, you know. And we're like, you know, no, it's, it hurts. Stop, 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 stop. And we pray, Lord, take my trial away. Take it away, take it away, take it away. But God's saying, you know, like Ulu was that day. He's going, don't worry, I'm here. It's all good. Nothing's going to happen. Just hold on. It's nearly finished. Just hold on. I've got you. We need to see our trials as pathways to maturity, to growth. In the midst of a trial, don't let the enemy deceive you. 
Don't fall for his lies. But, you know, isn't it encouraging to know that these unavoidable hard times, God is at work. That I'm not just getting knocked down and beat up for nothing. But that's how it feels sometimes, right? So trials lead to steadfastness and growth. And so who in here wants to grow? I do. I don't want to stay the same. Man, praise the Lord, I'm not like Rowena A anymore. (laughs) Far out. Sure, I sure do want to grow. You know, who in here wants to be strong and courageous and able to endure hardships? All of us, right? I want to be strong and able to endure so that I can be an encouragement and a blessing to others. Everyone wants to grow and be strong, but, you know, no one really wants to go through the hard times and the trials. But you know what? You can't get to step Z without going through step A, B, C, D, E, and F. And so in a few short verses, we've read that God gives us the knowledge that the trials we are going through are there to test us, to grow us, and to mentor us. Trials are actually our friend. They help to disciple us because they lead us to God, and they get us to pray. They show us how much we need God. And so the last ingredient is choice. Count it all joy. Joy is a choice. Choose joy. I'm going to go through trials, and God's going to use these trials to grow me and mature chore me. But in the end, I still need to choose joy and to count it all joy. You may have the first two. You know, you may have the trials. We all have those. You may have the knowledge, but if you don't choose joy, you won't attain it. We don't always understand what God is doing when we go through stuff, but you know, how can we? Because our brains are so small and his mind, his plan is so huge and infinite. I have a quote here from Kay Warren. You guys may have heard of Rick Warren. He's a very famous um, pastor over in the States, but he's written a lot of really helpful, amazing books. Um, A few years ago, him and his wife Kay suffered some horrible tragedy in that their son, who had struggled for a long time with mental illness, committed suicide. So I think she knows a little bit about hard times. This is what she says about joy. Finding joy is a challenge for me. I'm not naturally an upbeat person. I'm more of a melancholy. When I talk about joy, I'm not doing so from the perspective of a generally peppy person who never has a bad day. In fact, it's because of my own inability to live with joy that led me to explore why my experiences didn't line up with scripture. My problem was my definition of joy. I thought that joy meant feeling good all the time. That's impossible. Even for those who are naturally upbeat and optimistic, that's impossible. We have to start somewhere more realistic and close to Scripture. So here's the definition I've come up with from studying Scripture. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all of the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. 
and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. You'll find nothing in that definition about happy feelings because as we all know, happiness is fleeting and temporary. We tend to think that life comes in hills and valleys, but in reality, it's much more like train tracks. Every day of your life, wonderful good things happen that bring pleasure and contentment and beauty to you. But at the very same time, painful things happen to you, where those you love disappoint you or hurt you or fill you with sorrow. These two tracks, both joy and sorrow, run parallel to each other every single moment of your life. That's why when you're in the midst of an amazing experience, you might have a nagging realization that it's not perfect. And while you're experiencing something painful, there's the glorious realization that there's still beauty and loveliness to be found. They're inseparable. If you look down train tracks into the brightness of the horizon, the tracks become one. You can't distinguish them as two separate tracks. That's how it will be for us too. One day, our parallel tracks of joy and sorrow will merge into one. The day we meet Jesus Christ in person and see the brightness of who he is, it will all come together for us and it will all make sense. It's uh, Luke 12, verses 6 to 7. It says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. In the immensity of God and how huge he is, he is so tuned into us that he knows every hair on your head. And some of us have more numbers of hair than others. You know, Ulu and I, we always laugh at the scripture. Those of you who don't know Ulu, my husband, he has no hairs on his head, unless you count eyebrows. You know, whether you're balding or you're bald or you're going through that, you know, awkward stage of, oh, do I shave it or do I, you know, comb it over or whatever, you know. I can say this because, you know, we went through this stage, me and Ulu, and he was like, nah, man, if I ever go, my, my hairline recedes just a little bit, yeah, that's it, shaving it all. I'm not going to do that kind of, what do they call it, the tide going out kind of thing. <laughs> and so obviously he started shaving his head early. But I find it encouraging to know that whether you have few hairs or whether you have heaps and heaps, enough for five people apparently I've been told that I've got that much hair, he knows and he cares. He knows all of the days that he has for you and it's going to be okay. He put you together and he put your days together so that you could walk in the fullness of joy, bringing the greatest amount of glory to God. And so finally, the last verse that I want to read out from that first chapter of James is, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let's bow our heads. Some of us in this room are going through some trials. Whether stuff has happened or maybe you just haven't been able to walk in true joy, God wants to meet you here today. He says, I know you're struggling. 
I know you're doubting, but I am for you. I am with you. Keep fighting. I have not abandoned you. Lord, I pray for anyone.